I would venture to say that if Dr. Anthony Fauci hears this radio program, he will try to have me deplatformed and banished. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. What a move. It has become increasingly obvious over the past almost two years that Dr. Anthony Fauci, about the highest paid, if not the highest paid federal employee, he, he doesn't like to be challenged. He, he doesn't like to have his narrative torn apart. He doesn't like anybody looking over his shoulder. He doesn't like being proven to have lied. And rather than face the music like a man, rather than face what's going on in the world with a, a level of honesty and integrity, the man retreats to name-calling and hiding facts and literally thinking he can just get away with lying to the American people because the work that he's doing is just so important. And, and, then, and truth, really, it's none of our business what this man does. This man has single-handedly had his fingers in the pie, so to speak, on the coronavirus long before you and I ever heard of a virus in China. This man has been playing with some very dangerous things for a long time, and he doesn't like you knowing about that. You try to challenge what he does. He calls you, well, you heard what he called a sitting United States Senator, Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas, you heard what he said. What a move. See, the biggest problem that Dr. Anthony Fauci has, he's been a government bureaucrat with a massive budget for many, many years. I mean, since 1984, he's been the head of the NIH. 1984. When you think about that, we're talking what? About 40 Uh, almost 40 years in the same job. Not many years ago, he was given this permanent bonus, which pushed him up to the 400 and some odd thousand dollar a year job category. For the most part, he's been a well-respected but obscure government official. After all, he's dealing with medical science. And as we've learned from what he tells us all the time that he is science. And if you if you ever question anything that Dr. Anthony Fauci has ever done in his lifetime, well, you're a science denier. You are questioning science. Well, I think that I can speak this with authority, something that I learned many, many years ago, way back in high school and college, that science is always about questioning challenging and seeking legitimate answers especially when theories we've been floating prove not to be true and so an alternative needs to be found but in dr fauci's world you can never challenge his narrative what he always says is the literal gospel of the day it doesn't matter how many times he has changed his mind or changed his tune or reinvented himself or just pretends we forgot what he said two weeks ago, two months ago, uh, eight months ago, a year ago, 18 months ago, two years ago. It doesn't matter that he can change his narrative. If you challenge him on that, well, then you're challenging science and he is science. Well, Dr. Fauci, 
I hope and pray will be coming to a, shall we say, reality check very soon. I think he believes he's under no no authority except himself. But he's about to find out that there isn't accountability. You know, even the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And maybe it's time that Dr. Fauci be thoroughly held accountable. I know the news media of today, the mainstream media, will try to rally around him. They'll circle the covered wagons to protect him from the evil onslaughts of a of a senator from Kansas like Roger Marshall. But see, Roger Marshall's about to introduce an act. Now, it probably won't get through this Congress, and it probably won't get through, obviously, this current president in the United States. But in time, I believe that it will. Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas is going to introduce the Financial Accountability for Uniquely Compensated Individuals Act. Now, let me read that one again. The Financial Accountability for Uniquely Compensated Individuals, which is the Fauci Act. It's due to his concerns about the total lack of transparency, honesty, and integrity regarding Dr. Fauci's records. The Fauci Act would require the Office of Government Ethics website to list the pay and the perks for administration officials such as a Dr. Fauci, the director of the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Disease. The agency would also be required to provide a list of those paid by the government whose financial records are not public. Now, the proposed legislation is an outgrowth of the clash that uh, Roger Marshall, senator from Kansas, had with Dr. Fauci during a hearing last Tuesday in which Marshall criticized both Fauci's $434,000 a year salary and the billions of dollars in federal research grant his agency awards with little fanfare and virtually no scrutiny. Now, I'm just a small little guy on the radio with a small following as a podcast. I'm not a Joe Rogan. I don't have the platform as a a Tucker Carlson. I'm not a Laura Ingram. I'm not somebody on Newsmax or Fox or wherever. I'm just a little radio program that originates either out of Florida or Georgia, depending where we are at the time. Nothing big. I'm on a handful of shortwave radio stations and frequencies, and I'm heard as a podcast. And if you happen to listen as a podcast and and happen to hear a commercial, I'm not getting any benefit from that. That's just, unfortunately, to be on some of those platforms, they add the commercial and they keep the income. But what's been fascinating is how Dr. Fauci tries to rally the troops to defend him. Now, I saw another story about um, Joe Rogan. Now, he's a comedian, but he's also built probably the largest podcast following of anybody in the world. It's like 10 or something million listeners each day. What, what I, would, I would love to have 10 million listeners a day, but I don't. And there was a big story that 270 doctors signed letters demanding Spotify, which, by the way, I think carries this podcast, mine, 
um, I hope for a while longer. 270 doctors signed a letter demanding that Spotify censor Joe Rogan for COVID misinformation. In other words, he defied the Fauci narrative of the day. The problem is, and I I did a little research on this, 270 so-called medical people, they're not even all doctors. Some are not doctors at all. Some are not even nurses. 270 sounds like a big number. But what about the 60,000 doctors around the world that have signed on to the Barrington Declaration and other things? There are far more doctors that are challenging the narrative than 270, uh, you know, wannabes and, you know, bedpan cleaners. That's I mean, they don't they don't have a big following, but it sounds great if you're listening to MSNBC the misinformation channel. I mean, it is the misinformation channel of lies and fake news. CNN is working hard to to be the real authority of fake news. And in doing so, they have lost, oh, most of their audience. I think it's something like 90% of the most desired demographic for advertisers and 80% of their viewership overall in, in a year's time. Maybe that's some good news for a change. But it doesn't alarm me, you know, when when Joe Rogan only has 270 doctors signing a letter. I mean, there are 10 million listeners to his program, and I'm sure there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of doctors that listen to Joe Rogan that agree with him. So I really don't care what kind of make-believe story uh, that that that's trending out there today. I mean, a lot of this internet trending thing is just it, it's nonsense. It's paid positioning. If you have the right amount of money, you can trend any story you want and make people believe it's the hottest topic on the face of the earth. I don't have that advantage because I don't have quote the money or the platform to try to manipulate people's thinking process. In fact, I believe this program and its listeners have people that can absolutely think for themselves. Maybe you agree with everything I say. Maybe you agree with some of what I say. And I know there are times you disagree with some of the things I I do say and have said, and that's fine. But when we have people like Dr. Fauci that are demanding that, you know, anything that I say is the truth. And anything, anybody that challenges it needs to be censored, deplatformed, shut up. It needs to be banished. This is the kind of stuff that went on in 1930s Germany. What goes on, what went on in the former Soviet Union. What is going on in North Korea and China where the narrative is 100% controlled. These little tin horn dictator mindset people like Fauci They want that kind of authority to say that I am the truth. I am science. And, you know, when Marshall, Senator Marshall, asked uh, questions of Dr. Fauci, he just he was just indignant, called him a moron. I'm sure he would call me a moron and a lot worse. I wish he would hear this program to let him know that there are millions of people in the United States, probably about 100 million to think you're a total fraud, a complete fraud who needs to be fired, who has no business being at the helm of the agency that he's in, who has cut little sweetheart deals for years 
It's obvious. You know, Dr. Fauci doesn't really want to disclose his personal investments, and even even CDC Director Rochelle Walensky discloses her investments, as does every member of com- uh, of Congress. But 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 see, Fauci believes he doesn't have to. All you have to do is ask for it. You're so misinformed; it's extraordinary. And Marshall said, and I believe this is to be true that that Fauci had inside knowledge that could benefit the doctor. You know. The Bible has a has some wonderful advice. It's called abstain from the appearance of evil. Even if it's not evil, abstain from the appearance. It's a lesson that Dr. Fauci never learned in Jesuit Catholic school growing up as a kid to abstain from even the appearance of evil. And you challenge him, he's going to make fun of you. He's going to ridicule you. He's going to run over to CNN where his friends are and MSNBC and ABC and CBS and just get people to feel sorry for the little guy, that everybody's picking on me. Well, maybe maybe if you hadn't had your hand in Wuhan, maybe if you had not been playing with viruses and things that even the United States military thought were just too dangerous for them to even fund, maybe if you weren't trying to do end runs around the law, I mean, the law was pretty explicit. Gain-of-function research had been halted in the United States, and for good cause. Not only is it unethical, in my opinion, to be dealing with bioweapons, and I think that it's highly unethical, it was also illegal at the time. But see, Fauci doesn't care what the law says. Fauci doesn't care what is right. Fauci doesn't care what is wrong. Fauci only does what Fauci wants to do. And so if he wants to do an experiment, if he wants to create coronaviruses to develop vaccines like a weapon, then he's going to do it no matter what the Congress says, no matter what the law says, no matter what anybody says, he's going to do whatever it is he wants to do because he is Mr. Science. And you don't dare defy Mr. Science and the things that he is going to do. And so he does end runs. He finds ways to get around the law, use third parties that he finances to do his dirty work and have the dirty work done in a repressive communist country that has its eyes on dominating the world. Yeah. I mean, what a perfect fit. A guy with a Napoleon complex trying to be friendly with the communist Chicom regime that kills people, doesn't care about people, enslaves people, and controls your speech and the things you're allowed to think and do. I mean, how they ever got the Olympics in Beijing is beyond me. The world should have turned its back on that wretched regime and said, absolutely not. We are not sponsoring the Olympics of the world in a repressive and evil country, or I should say a country with an oppressive and evil regime like communist China. But no, the world falls all over itself and goes to China. I think I mentioned this 
the end of last week, something that really troubles me. And now, here in the end, I'm, I know I'm going off on a little, just a little 30-second journey here, so kind of follow with me. Georgia had a lot of issues with voting back in 2020. I don't care what anybody says, but they, they truly did. They, they, they cut a deal with uh, Stacey Abrams, at least the Secretary of State did, that violated Georgia law and the Georgia Constitution. I mean, that's a fact. That is an absolute fact. And I know that you got people like Kemp and Raffensperger that were never Trumpers, so they didn't care. They thought they could fix it by the time the Senate elections came, and they couldn't. They were in too deep. And Biden wins by a handful of votes in a state where there are more questionable ballots being dumped in the middle of the night in these, uh, you know, ballot boxes, remote ballot boxes by just a handful of people. Makes you have to wonder. And so Georgia tightens up their anti-cheating law, but makes it easier for people to vote. And then you get these woke corporate idiots. I mean, these are complete. Now, these are the guys that are the true morons, the people that run Coca-Cola. They're trying to see which way the wind is blowing. And so they believe in their virtue signaling when, when Georgia passed their Voting Reform Act, which made it easier to vote, just harder to cheat. Well, they got indignant. We got to get the, we, we can't do this. They were just angry at the state of Georgia. They're, you know, Remember, Coca-Cola was born in Atlanta many, many years ago. Of course, it, you, the early formula actually used cocaine, but not. We, that's another, another story for another day. So Coca-Cola gets indignant. And it, this is just horrible. And then they, they get on the bandwagon to get the uh, Major League Baseball All-Star game pulled out of Atlanta. Pulled out of Atlanta and moved to Denver, Colorado, which is kind of stupid. I don't care what anybody at Coca-Cola thinks. The stupidest thing he ever did. Atlanta is a minority city. It has a black mayor. It has a literally a black majority in the city of Atlanta. The city of Atlanta. It has a probably the highest concentration of black-owned businesses in the entire state of Georgia. And many of them surround the baseball stadium. And those black-owned businesses were looking forward to actually being able to get some extra revenue during the time of the pandemic. So what does Coca-Cola do to the black minority-owned businesses of Atlanta? It basically says, tough it out. We're moving the game, and we support this, to the most white city in the United States. Now, you want to talk about your white privilege? Yeah, send the All-Star game to Denver, Colorado, and take it out of a city that is majority, uh, has a majority black population. That really made sense. But see, Coca-Cola Virtue signaled they were out there trying to look like we care about, you know, the underdog and black voting rights and everything else and, and, and the Jim Crow 2.0 silliness and nonsense that babbles out of, out of Biden's uncontrollable mouth. Yeah, we have Mr. Science, who's protected by Biden. We have the false Jim Crow narrative that comes out of Biden's mouth. 
We have the fake critical race theory being taught in our schools. You know, when I look at, I'm going to get back to Dr. Fauci here. That's kind of where I need to be for a few more minutes. I think those that have listened to this program since it began in the late summer of 2020, you know that I I try to be as truthful and honest and get you information that is credible. It's often not easy. And I've been very careful about the things that I've shared on this program with you for many, many reasons. Number one, number one, I don't want you misinformed. And and believe me, I, I get emails and inquiries and letters and all kinds of things sent to me on a daily basis saying, Bob, you need to look at this. You need to look at that. You need to share this on your program tomorrow or next week or sometime soon. And I'll see a story. And some of these stories are really tempting for me to jump onto. They really are. There are a lot of stories out there that I've seen that I would be tempted to share because what an over-the-top headline. But then I, I I pause and I say, okay, I need to do a little bit of research on this because you know I, I don't I get a bad feeling, and it's a terrible way to say that I, I judge some of the stories that I do, but oftentimes I'll get this very strange feeling that something about a particular story that maybe somebody has shared in good faith and don't get me wrong, a lot of times there are stories that you have shared with me that end up being true that I didn't jump on, but then again, I didn't because I couldn't confirm it. If I don't get a real piece about a story and things people are telling me and I just have this, you know, I, I can't confirm this. This may be illegitimate news. This may be news put out there to make you look bad when you start sharing real misinformation. And a lot of stories end up going that that direction. Uh, I'm very cautious. There, there are a lot of stories that people want me to share. And, and if I had shared some of the stuff, from, let me just give you an example. I'm not going to say where it comes from and who's been pushing it out there. I, I can remember back, oh, I think it was in June, maybe July. Can't remember which month. I could probably go back to some of my emails from that time. And, and and somebody I knew, not really a regular listener to this program, shared with me a link to a website and a guy that hosts his own video podcast. And this guy was making some incredible claims. I mean, absolutely over-the-top incredible claims about the vaccines. Now, you know that I have deep concerns about the vaccines. Um, for a number of reasons. Number one, I think that Fauci's hands are tied up in those vaccines to a degree. I know that Moderna was his favorite company and that was his pick to be the winner. I know that he said vaccines would never be done, but I think he already knew that the work, the groundwork had been done for years and years before. I think that Dr. Fauci also knew that in 2003 and 2004, there was an outbreak of SARS-CoV-2. We may call that SARS-CoV-1. Happened in 2003 and 2004. One of the things that got me very suspicious about the narrative 
very suspicious about the narrative was when working in emergency management, I came across the CDC website and all this information about SARS-CoV-1, you know, SARS-CoV-1. 2003, 2004, and the extensive studies done after this virus was contained. Now, how many of you remember SARS-CoV-1 back in 2003 and 2004? I have no memory of that at all. Do you? Apparently, uh, 30,000 some odd people died as a direct result in the United States of SARS-CoV-1 in 2003 and 2004. And the CDC at that time, and in 2005, released at the end of 2005, maybe like, you know, September, October of 05, they put together an analysis of SARS-CoV from 2003-2004. And all they had learned about how it spreads, all they learned about what was effective and ineffective, and even really viable treatments. Now, let me, now, listen to that carefully. Really viable treatments. Did you catch that? Treatments that work. Treatments that show promise and absolute success. And in that 2005 article that I wrote, that I read, I didn't write it, I'm sorry. The, the article that I read from 2005 and all the research and the what they call the afterwash after this, you know, mini pandemic. They decided then that vitamin C and zinc and vitamin D and hydroxychloroquine and other anti <laughs> sound familiar kind of stuff, anti-malarial or parasitic type drugs were extremely effective in treating those that came down with SARS-CoV-1. Now, here's some things to understand that I've also learned, and this goes back to my time back in 2002, reading this stuff in April, April of 2000, April of 2020. I'm I'm reading this stuff in April 2020, and I'm saying, wait a minute, this New virus, SARS-CoV-2, is virtually identical. 87% of it is the same as SARS-CoV-1. So why is President Trump being ridiculed for mentioning what the CDC had said in 2005 is an appropriate course of treatment? Why was Fauci so determined to kill off hydroxychloroquine to ridicule ivermectin there are physicians out there i know of one that has treated over 450 patients in south carolina he's lost none lost none there's another doctor that has treated 5,000, and he has lost zero why early treatment the right way I've known people that came close to death being treated the CDC way now, which is like, go home until your lips turn blue and you can barely breathe, and then we'll bring you to the hospital and watch you die as we put you on a ventilator. It's pretty much the CDC protocol. They don't want to treat. They want to use the new expensive $8,000 a dose kind of treatment that can destroy your kidneys. 
They don't want to use the 10th cent treatment that works. It's all about the Benjamins and the money, my friend. It's about money. It's crooked. It's evil. And one of the most evil people that I think walks the face of the earth today, the wizard of COVID, the father of the virus, the one the mass COVIDians bow down and worship, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the fraud, Dr. Anthony Fauci that unleashed this plague upon the world because of his his department, the NIH, his money, his friends at EcoHealth Alliance, his buddy over there at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Dr. Dr. Ralph Barrett. They all wanted to play with these viruses. They wanted to create vaccines. They wanted to experiment with things that were deadly. And they don't want to be held accountable for what they did, which was technically, they found a way to get around it technically, but they spit upon the spirit of the law. They didn't care what the law said. They didn't care what was right or wrong. They only cared to do what they wanted to do. And I think when we start following the money, remember, and I've got another story I want to share in just a minute. You got to hear. You know, if, if what I just shared on this first half of the program doesn't get your blood to boil a little bit, you wait when I come back in just a few minutes. Now, I'm still always asking, how do you listen to this program? Podcast on the radio. If you t- a lot of more, a lot of people lately are telling me they're listening on radio. And if you are, just let me know by sending an email to Bob at Truth the Number Two Ponder dot com. Bob at Truth the Number Two Ponder dot com. I'm not trying to harvest an email list. I'm not going to do that at all. I made a promise. I'm going to keep it. But it does help me know how people are listening. And, you know, you might be listening on Spotify and there's a commercial there. I get nothing out of it, just so you know. It'd be nice if I did, but we don't. Uh, but we also have to pay for airtime on shortwave. If you can help with that, that's always appreciated. Make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio. And send it to Truth to Ponder 5753. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's number 3248. And that is in Crestview, Crestview, Florida. Crestview, Florida. Zip code 32536. Once again, Mailing address 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248 in Crestview, Florida, 32536. As I mentioned before, some mail is running slow. It's not on my part or where this mail is going to. It's just issues with transportation and the United States Postal Service. So if you're wondering, is the mail getting to me? It is, but it's getting to me about a week or two later than it should. But that's just what we're going to have to deal with for the time being. When we come back, I think you're going to be astounded by what you hear. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman, the gym teacher and the lunch lady coming up. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend and Messiah. 
This is Jonathan Kahn, the nice Jewish boy, bringing you the Jewish roots of Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In Proverbs 11.11, it says, He who despises his neighbor lacks sense, but he who has wisdom keeps silence. Well, I remember in junior high, there was a gym teacher, and he must have said something to the lunch lady. I don't know what. It might have been about her hairnet. I don't know. But the lunch lady said something back to the gym teacher. I don't know. It might have been about his pot belly. I have no idea. But the next thing, these two were almost in a physical fight, screaming at the top of their lungs at each other. And the way that the lunch ladies were built, you were afraid for the gym teacher. And we were never so absolutely silent as at that moment. We were shocked. You could hear a pea drop in that cafeteria. And the way they cooked the peas, you could hear it anyway. Finally, the janitor broke it up, took the gym teacher away, but it was over something stupid, the littlest thing. It says, he who has wisdom keeps silent. Listen, the littlest things have destroyed marriages, families, for less, for for nothing giving voice to it, speaking it, saying, well, listen, a real important principle in the Lord, learn not to act on the bad. Hold off. Don't do it. Don't act. Don't speak. Wait, wait. When there's anything bad, anger, whatever it is, don't, don't, hold off, hold off. Wait until you can act on the good. And when there's good, act upon it. Act As soon as, soon as you have good in your heart, act upon it. Don't just sit on it, act on it. Speak it, do it. Love, be like Messiah, not like the gym teacher and the lunch lady. One more, ask for good to your own soul. Now, the free gift for you, hidden for 2,000 years in the sands of Israel. It's incredible. The mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. And Sapphire is your daily spiritual vitamin supply for victorious life in God. How do you get these gifts free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. So just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed. But call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now I invite you to minister with me in bringing the good news back to the people who gave it to you, Israel, and the unreached peoples of every tribe and tongue on five continents. You will be blessed. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You can literally blanket the earth on shortwave radio with the gospel. We do it every week. Join in. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Now you can write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy box, 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, and Messiah Ravinu, our teacher. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Well, I want to get right into some of the stories that I want to share with you in this segment. Got a bunch that are gonna they're gonna make your head explode. I hate to hate to put it that way to you. As as many of you know. I spend a lot of time in Georgia, and I have over many decades. While I was born in New York, raised as a very young child in Long Island, my high school years in a small town upstate, by, by the 19, early 1970s, I had found my way south. And I stayed in the south pretty much from that point on. I lived in a town called Toccoa, Georgia for years. I've lived in the metro Atlanta area, Uh, lived in Clarksville, Georgia. 
I have lived in Peachtree City, Georgia. I've lived all over the state over a period of like 30, 40 some odd years, most of my life. So in a way, I kind of consider Georgia a second home. I spent more time in that part of the world, especially in Northeast Georgia, than anywhere else, including even the time that I've spent in Florida. And so I've got an affinity to the state. I care about it. Um, we, Like I say, we spend a pretty good amount of time there, especially during the summer. And I plan to even get involved with starting a perhaps a, a church plant somewhere in Northeast Georgia, uh, maybe, maybe this coming spring or summer. We'll see. Well, of course, when you live in Georgia like I did for a number of years, you get used to University of Georgia Bulldog sports and University of Georgia in Athens. I think it's about the oldest university of its kind in the United States, in good old little Athens, Georgia. Well, it's not so little anymore. But I'm reading a story, and even schools that I used to think extremely highly of, 25, 35, 40, even close to 50 years ago. I don't think as highly of many of these universities and colleges today as I did way back when. There's several things, and we talked about it on on a program last Tuesday. I talked about the decreasing value of a college education. And this little story right here is proof positive that we need to get rid of tenure for college professors and perhaps reconsider the student loan program being a guarantee that anybody can go into debt foolishly for a degree in stupidity, which a lot of students do. Maybe, and also I would love for the University of Georgia in Athens to explain why their cost of doing business has far exceeded inflation or anything else. I mean, an education at UGA or then, and of course, a private school is even worse, is off the charts. But but here's a story about a, a college professor at the University of Georgia. And this guy, his name is Richard Dean Winfield. Richard Dean, D-I-E-N, or Diane or Dean Whitfield, um, is the poster child for why every university in the United States needs to eliminate tenure for professors where they can't be fired. This guy should be fired, thrown off the campus, ridiculed and mocked for being an idiot, just for being an idiot, let alone a lousy teacher. And, and, and he's teaching, you know, he's part of the indoctrination process that goes on now in our universities. Now, just so you understand, University of Georgia is part of the university system of the state. It is a state-run public higher education system. So whatever policy the USG sets, all schools in that system must abide by. Now, last year... Last year in Georgia, the USG, the University of Georgia system, uh, all schools, you know, like I say, must abide by it. Uh, They had a policy that while schools could strongly encourage vaccinations, mask and social distancing, et cetera, et cetera, 
they could not enforce it on any students or faculty. Good for the state of Georgia. Once again, this, the real science was on their side in making that statement. They could not unilaterally go virtual. And as you can imagine, this enraged some of the more extreme left-leaning uh, idiots that run around calling themselves professors. And they were getting all cry-eyed and all upset that they're going to be that they're going to they were all going to die. They even had a die-in last year that where everybody just laid down all over the campus to illustrate what's going to happen if we don't force everybody to wear a face diaper and and vaccinate. Well, here's a story regarding this particular professor. Uh, this story is about a parent and uh, his son and this professor. And I want to read this letter that he wrote. As my son entered the classroom of the professor, Richard Dean Winfield, by the way, he's got a Twitter feed that I was looking at. What a complete piece of work. I mean, the ultimate leftist. No common sense. Does not even have the common sense God gave seafood. Spouting all this silly nonsense. He believes in 62 genders. You know, the whole nine yards. He believes in every... Every little piece of mental illness that's out there, he embraces it. He does. And he said that at the beginning, you know, of his class, he was handing out, you know, KN95 masks to any student not already wearing one. He stated in no uncertain terms that in his classroom, cloth masks were verboten and all students were expected to wear his approved KN95. Now, you know, um, think about this. The class was then subjected to a 30-minute diatribe about the importance of wearing this mask and not to kill the professor because you students are here to kill me without a mask. Well, if, if the mask is so good, prof, leave it on your own face. He lectured them that they had no right to threaten his life since he was not threatening theirs. And he's triple vaxxed, and he's not carrying a gun. <laughs> I don't know what that had to do with it. I'm triple vaxxed, and I, I don't carry a gun. And he claimed that 100% of death and illness from COVID would be avoided if people just took the vaccine and wore a mask. Though you know and I know there's zero proof of that. A matter of fact, he still buys into the baloney, the pandemic of the unvaccinated. It appears to be a pandemic now of the vaccinated. That's been changing rapidly. He described the United States government as totally immoral for not forcing vaccines and masks. In other words, they should have the right to grab you by the neck, throw you to the ground and put this vaccine in your arm because he's a believer in it. Now, of course, a year ago, about a year and a half ago, when Trump was pushing it, he was all against it. But now that Biden pushes it, he's all for it. You know, notice how the politics can can compromise your thought process. So this triple vaxxed uh, KN95 wearing, by the way, on his Twitter feed, he shows this new helmet he bought with an oxygen tank so he can walk around the class like a moon man and not be worried about, but he still wants you to wear a face mask. At the conclusion of the class, this guy's son spoke to the professor one-to-one to ask what the consequences of not wearing a mask would be. Oh, well, you release those particles in the air that'll, that'll, that'll kill me. 
No, I understand that. I mean, what happens to me if I refuse to wear one? And the professor didn't know how to answer that question. He thought his little obedient students... And and then the poor guy discovered he also had this professor for the next class, <laughs> an ethics class. And he decided to dump this professor and do better. This professor went on about how, you know, he would have to participate in a class online. Um, you know, this professor is just insanity. I mean, the city of Athens, Georgia, is a blue pimple in an otherwise mostly red state. And and these people, when they get their academic, you know, when they get a government paycheck, they can't be fired. Um, and they seem to embrace the most awful things and the most mentally insane things on the face of the earth. These are the ones teaching our kids in college and we're paying for it with a combination of taxpayer dollars and tuition. You know, something has got to give. These professors, because they can't be fired, can bully students into submitting to their delusions. And that's what they are. Delusions. If they disagree with something you believe in, they want you banned from the campus. They want you shut down. They want you screamed at. They want people yelling obscenities at you. And, and it's now gone into this this area of COVID-19. You know, that son was smart. He dropped those classes. Why mess with, you know, grade retaliation? You know... I can remember when I graduated high school almost 50 years ago. And I, I, we were always told then, you know, to, to do your best, excel, and be, you know, stand for something. Stand for something. Be yourself. Be true to yourself. Be willing to stand out and speak your mind. But be willing to defend what you have to say. And I think that's what we've lost on the campuses today. When the leftist goons come after you, they don't have to defend their position. Theirs is assumed to always be right. Even if it's insanely wrong, they're always right. It is those that actually speak science, rationality, and facts. They're the ones that are screamed down. And we have to put up with complete reprobates in classrooms like Professor Richard Dean Winfield, University of Georgia. Yeah, at Winfield, W-I-N-F-I-E-L-D for U.S., his Twitter feed. If you want to see the reprobates that are teaching your students and you're paying for it and you want to have, you know, if you're just trying to get your blood pressure raised, take a look at his Twitter feed. And and Georgia, if you're listening in Georgia, it's time to speak to your Georgia senator and your local Georgia representative that goes to the state capitol. It's time to put an end to this absolute takeover by the insane of our college campuses. Now, let me move along to a different story. This comes out of our neighbor to the north, Canada.
Now, many of you may not know this, but up in parts of Canada, in the Quebec uh, province, well, today, the uh, province-wide curfew is being lifted. And see, Premier uh, Francosis Legault, he announced that all the measures they've been doing are working so wonderfully. I mean, they're working so wonderfully they can they can stop the, 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 the horrible curfews and lockdowns. And he's taking credit saying that the measures he put in place over the past few weeks, they worked. <laughs> they really did. They worked wonderfully. And experts say the cases have peaked. That's what he tells the population. The measures that we put in place saved Quebec. And we're going in the right direction. But we have to remain careful, citing the increasing in hospitalizations. Now, he's happy to announce that the vaccination would be mandatory now. Listen to this. I'm happy to announce that vaccinations are mandatory for large stores of more than 1,500 square meters. In other words, your grocery store, your Walmart, your larger pharmacies, you can't go in unless you're vaccinated. Even if the vaccination may kill you, even if the vaccination doesn't work, even if the vaccinations fail, which they do, I'm waiting for him to announce that the fully vaccinated, because see, the new definition of vaccinated is going to change. All of those that obediently lined up and had their arms jabbed in January, February, March, and April, well, your time is up. You're going to have to get more and more vaccinations to keep everybody safe. Sorry, but the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life was the idea that I I get vaccinated to protect the vaccinated person. It doesn't make any sense. Is that how the polio vaccine worked? I took it to protect somebody else uh, that was already vaccinated themselves. It doesn't make any sense. I keep saying If you live in Quebec, it's like telling me to put on my winter jacket so you stay warm. I don't get it. But this is where they're at. They're believing. By the way, we shared this last week in the program in case you missed it. We know one thing for certain, and you can look over all the data and the charts and the graphs. These these waves of illness come on a very predictable timetable. They do. Since the very beginning of this pandemic, you have an increase, then it drops off. Then a change of season, an increase, and it drops off. And so all this premier in Quebec was doing is riding the natural wave of the virus and claiming that all that he did made it work. What a narcissist to believe that he controlled the virus. He didn't do anything. Nature has been doing this since the beginning of the pandemic with predictable waves up and down. And the vaccines had nothing to do with it. In fact, why have more people died in the year that we've had the vaccines than the year that we didn't? And we didn't have treatments and people were left to die in ventilators. Why did more people die in the vaccinated year. See, there's some issues that they're not, they're not adding up. 
And so this reprobate is happy to announce that vaccinations are now required. They're mandatory. You can't go to the store. At what point, at what point are they going to say you're not allowed to have food until you get this vaccine? You know, for those of you that listen to this program and also know that even though the last several programs have been more dealing with news, this program is really founded as a Christian program and Christian thought and a Christian worldview. I am not anti-science. I'm a broadcast engineer. I deal with technical stuff all the time. And so I live in a very logical world. Yet what they want us to believe about these vaccines and this entire COVID pandemic defy reason, science, and logic. We're being fed a line. I don't believe for any stretch of the imagination. And once again, we're doing some research into the numbers and the preliminary research keeps coming back with some information that I, I that makes me want to scratch my head. To think of these 800 and some odd thousand additional deaths that we're supposed to have had with COVID in the United States. What is it going to be, a million or something before it's over? That's the new prediction. But does that number make any sense in the grand scheme of things? You know, I talked to somebody, I talked over the last year, I've talked to two different funeral directors, and they're not seeing this massive <laughs> increase. Now, maybe it's just their funeral homes, but they're successful, so it makes you wonder. Are, are, you know, how many people are dying with COVID or of COVID? And there's been the misnomer from day one. We find out, let me give you an example, when I worked in emergency management, and this is one of the first little things that I didn't think much about until later. When I was working, we started getting these daily briefings in the emergency operations center where we carefully socially distanced at our tables and, 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 and you know, we did it all. And we had that big announcement of the first COVID death of what was going to be expected to be 3,000 by that summer. Our first COVID death of the 3,000 we were expecting to occur by that summer of 2020 in that county. 3,000. They announced it. We've had our first COVID death. And it came from the so-and-so hospital. I'm not going to say the name because then you could figure out the town. And, okay, so what do we know about this individual? The individual is 86. Okay. He has COPD, three-pack-a-day smoker, alcoholic, been in and out of the VA hospital for the last year on death's door. He was our first COVID death. And you want to know something? Over the next few weeks, we'd have another death here and there. And the story was always the same. We had a little bit more detail than the press would get. And these are basically people who are ill, suffering life-threatening diseases. These are the same kind of people that would die in a normal flu season or from a nasty cold or just... Any day now, the heart's going to give out. 
And the more we're preparing these morgues for 3,000 people we never needed, the more we're preparing all this additional hospital space we never needed, the more I'm beginning to question there's something that doesn't add up. These numbers we were given early on to put everybody into fear and put on a face diaper and run around in fear with their eyeballs, you know, pie plate eyes as they're walking around the liquor stores. Can't go to a local restaurant, but we can go to the liquor store. Can't go to church, but we can go to Walmart, Home Depot. It started to really wear on me that something about this narrative is not correct. And that's why I do this program. There is something that I've been saying for the past several weeks. Matter of fact, even before the end of the year. As we've gone through this pandemic together, you and I, my audience, and those that support this program, I've tried to be an encouragement. And I've tried to find some of the good news along with the absurd. And I know if you watch the MSNBCs, the sky is falling. If people don't get vaccinated, we're going to kill everybody. I don't understand this death wish of the Biden administration to force a vaccine that has never been done on human beings before in history, even on little children. You know, I was reading this paper that was put out by BioNTech as they're doing their disclosures. They're talking about, well, you know, we're not really a profitable company without uh, the, these these experimental vaccines. And if they go away, we're dead. I'll be sharing that with you maybe tomorrow. It really makes me wonder when I read this stuff. These companies need the money. A company like Moderna had nothing in the hopper that they could sell. They were going bankrupt. They were raising money on Wall Street. Now they've created a bunch of billionaires over there on taxpayer money. You think they want to give up this, you know, jab for dollars? Of course not. They're going to fight tooth and nail. And of course, as we pointed out, Pfizer spends so much money on on mainstream media, they're beholden. They will say whatever Pfizer wants them to say because they spend millions upon millions of dollars at CNN and ABC and elsewhere. You know it and I know it. It's a fraud. Every bit of it. There's something wrong with this picture. We're going to get deeper into it tomorrow. If you believe in what we're doing, would you consider supporting us financially with a a gift to pay for the radio airtime? I'll be giving you some updates on our radio project, too. Our mailing address... Make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Mailing address is Truth to Ponder, 5753, Highway 85 North. That's 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's number 3248. We are in Crestview, Crestview, Florida. And the zip code is 32536. That's Crestview, Florida. And the zip code is 32536. We will be back Tuesday with another edition of Truth to Ponder. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.